All right, cool. So today's message uh, is going to come from Philippians 4, 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can open your Bibles to Philippians 4, 7. <clears throat> or your smartphones. I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Very simple verse. But uh, we're going to look into this. Well, uh, for those of you who are listening through podcasts, I don't know if anyone's listening, but um, I just showed a video. I showed a pair of videos. The first video was the most unsatisfying video. And then after that, I showed the most satisfying video. And for those of you who are here, um, did you guys, how did you guys feel? Like when you were watching the first video, didn't it just make you go, ugh? <laughs> Some of you were watching and were like cringing, right? Uh, there's this video of this guy watching. There's like a reaction video. And it's a Korean guy, actually. He's like, ah! Oh! He's like freaking out. Have you guys ever seen this? It's pretty funny, but sad. You kind of feel for him because he's like, ah! He's like crying, you know? But um, as you're watching the second video, the most satisfying video, I'm sure you got this sense of like satisfaction, right? And peace, this... Ah, everything is as it should be. And I think we all are familiar with this feeling. There's this innate sense of rightness. We get a good feeling about completion, wholeness, neatness, perfection. And at the same time, we get a sense of dissatisfaction from messiness, incompletion, perfection. The world is paradoxical because there is beauty. There's both beauty and there is also a lot of ugliness. There's good and we also see evil. We see God at work, but we also see sin. We live in a fallen world. Uh, it's very evident. Just look around. Sin is real. Look at history. Look at politics. Look within. Look at our relationships. There's a lot of messiness and gunk and unfinished business. And we have a longing for and a hope for a better world. So we have this tension where we see God, yet there's this like not yet. We have this longing for heaven. So on Monday, that was two days ago, because today's Wednesday. On Monday, I was at work and I felt like I was coming down with a cold. Praise God, my voice is okay, I think. Um, I initially thought it was just because of the, the bad air quality. I had this, like, scratchy throat. And then, um, you know, I took some vitamin C and I went to work. And, and then at work, it got really bad. Like, it started to hit me. And um, I got momsal for the first time. <laughs> body aches. Momsal is body aches in Korean. I honestly thought it was a fake thing <laughs> until this week. Because, <laughs> you know, people be like, oh, momsal. I'm like, I don't know what that is. You know, like, uh, you, you know, you just want to get out of this, whatever. Um, but yeah, I was humbled very quickly, and I realized body aches are a real thing. As I was teaching, I was in the middle of teaching, and suddenly my leg just started losing strength. I was like, oh, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you know, repeat after me. <laughs> my, my knees started buckling, and I, I felt really bad. And uh, I could barely hold myself up. So as soon as work ended, I went to the nearest equa, or the, the hospital, uh, by the way, in Korea, if you didn't know, um, going to the hospital is a pretty common thing. 
In America, if you say I'm going to the hospital, it sounds like super serious, you know. But you only go to the hospital like if you have cancer or you're like dying or something. So like when kids, you know, when I first came to Korea, they're like, "Oh, teacher, I was at the hospital yesterday." I was like, "You look fine, though." <laughs> it's like, "Kangi," I'm like, "You don't go to the hospital for that." But but praise God for Korean healthcare. It's great. <laughs> I actually went to the doctor yesterday, and I, and you know I was telling him he's like. You know, tell me all this stuff, and I, I was like, "Oh, is that going to cost a lot?" Like, you know, I have insurance, but how much is it going to cost? He's like, kind of looking at me funny. Like, I'm like, I had to explain. I'm from America. It's not like this here. Not used to hospital treatment for such a good price. I'm serious. The the healthcare here is cheaper if you don't have insurance than if you have insurance in America. Not joking. Not exaggerating. It's crazy. Anyway, I had a I had a fever. It was past 38 degrees. This was I can't remember the last time I had a fever, and my you know I could feel the heat rising in me, and I've never gotten this sick in a really long time. I get sick kind of frequently, but you know not this sick. So you know as as a as a mortal, I started thinking about my death. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, if I don't make it, for me to live, for for to live as Christ, to die is gain. Take me, Lord. Someone else will step up to be the CD at SNU. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, jo- I'm half joking, but you know, like, I started kind of entertaining the thought. I was like, oh my gosh, what if I don't make it by tonight? Well, anyway, in that moment, I really, really appreciated what this idea of shalom was. Peace. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is used and is often translated as peace. In the New Testament, the Greek word irene is used. Shalom means more than just what we in English say as peace. The English definition can have the following meanings, such as normal, or being in a non-warring state with a group of nations, a state of harmony between peoples or groups, freedom from annoyance, distraction, or anxiety, or a state of tranquility. The Greek understanding, Irene, is pretty similar to our understanding of it, but... It's also inclusive of the Christian understanding of it as used in the New Testament. So I think it still applies. The Hebrew understanding, however, is much more holistic. It's not just the opposite of a negative thing. It's not the absence of distraction or anxiety or annoyance. It actually denotes completeness, welfare, peace, friendships with others and with God in addition to the absence of negative things. Okay? So... The, the Hebrew word shalom is, is much broader, is a much more holistic word. <clears throat> you know that lack we feel, the emptiness, the incompleteness, the sin, in contrast to what we long for, kind of like we felt like in watching those videos, just to give you a small taste, right? That which we know is somewhere, but which the natural mind doesn't comprehend. There must be more. We have this innate sense that there must be more than what we see. Something doesn't add up. There's always something kind of missing. Some of us are pretty aware of this fact in our lives. Maybe you can't quite put it into words, or you couldn't put it into words, but you knew exactly what it was. You think to yourself, my life is in shambles. I'm not eating healthy, not sleeping well, not studying enough. My relationships suck. Or maybe... You have this peace of Christ, which is, you know, given in, good, in different measure, and that's good. Praise God. 
But I'm sure all of us at some point have felt some sort of heaviness, some sort of sin, emptiness, or that longing, that inexpressible longing that we all have from day to day. Maybe not on a holistic scale, but in some areas of our lives. So regardless, I believe that this verse, Philippians 4, 7, is key to our Christian living. So whether you are like good or you're like really resonating this with right now, you know, um, I think everyone can kind of take something away from this message. So I'll read the verse again. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So peace, what is it? Is it just a lack of negatives? Is it a detached sense of numbness to the world? Are we to be like hippies that say, like, there is no truth, it's whatever, you know? Akuna Matata! It means no worries, right? For the rest of your days. Lion King, is that, are you guys too young for that? I hope you're not. Anyway, the truth is, life is hard. Life is hard. There are hardships. We face many kinds of trials in our lives. But there is hope. And the truth is, we can have peace, we can have shalom in the midst of suffering. Okay, I'll say that again. We can have peace in the midst of suffering. So if you're taking notes, I'd, un- I'd like to unpack just three kind of main points from this short verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The first point I want to make is peace transcends understanding. Peace transcends understanding. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says that his peace is not of this world. Yet we have it if we are in the Lord. We have it. It takes faith sometimes to access that, right? To realize that. But we have it if we are in the Lord. How does the world give peace? How do you get peace from the world, like in that worldly sense? The peace we feel in the world apart from Christ is circumstantial. I mean, look at the worldly definition I read to you earlier. Its very definition is dependent on a lack of negatives. Okay? So it's essentially conditional. If there is no war, we are at peace. If there's no disagreement, you're at peace. If there's no anxiety, no distraction, then we are at peace. It's conditional. But we are a people of faith. We live by faith, not by sight. The peace that Jesus gives is not dependent on circumstances. This is why Paul is able to say in verse 12 of Philippians 4, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's he saying here? Essentially, Whether he has or lacks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He has the secret to being content. He has the secret to being at peace. It's independent of his circumstances. Anyone here get hangry? (laughs) Hangry? You guys know what that is, right? Some of you, if you don't know, hangry is is a portmanteau of the word angry and hungry, 
right? When you put them together, when you're angry and hungry, right? Hangry. The shalom leaves with a quickness, right? Some of us, we really need Jesus for this. Well, if you look at this verse, essentially Paul is saying, whether he is hangry or not, you know, (laughs) whether he is well-fed or hungry, he is content. But on a serious note, (laughs) right, Paul is a saint, literally. (laughs) Um, But on a serious note, do we allow the distractions of life to get to us? Does our peace leave us when things don't go our way? Do we get worried needlessly about things that Jesus said not to worry about? Are we thinking about how we're going to feed ourselves when God is asking us to focus on his will and the call for your life? Are we thinking too much about our grades, futures, jobs? And are we neglecting our relationship with God? I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned about those things, but I am saying get your priorities right. Are you getting anxious? Instead of getting anxious, do everything unto the Lord. Look at verse 6, just one verse before our our text. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Ask God. It's not a bad thing to ask God for things. Ask Him to help you with your grades, with your test, with your parents, with your friends, whatever it may be. But don't be anxious. Do your part, but don't be anxious. Your peace isn't circumstantial. It is transcendent. It transcends understanding. A secular person, a secular person should look at a suffering Christian and wonder, where does this person's strength come from? Where does this person's peace come from? Because in Christ, we have a peace that transcends circumstances, transcends understanding. It's independent of circumstances. So again, what is peace? Peace is, what was my first point? Transcends understanding. Good. The next point. Peace guards you. Peace guards you. says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It guards you. So, again, another thing about this word, irene, is that it guards us. When I think of a guard, I think of protective gear. Anyone here do contact sports? Football? I don't know, it's like mostly girls here. Uh, <laughs> American football. I, I played American football in high school, and, you know, um, you have to wear helmets, because it's, it's a high-contact sport. You have to like, really run into each other like head-on. If you don't wear a helmet, it's, it's pretty stupid. Because the other person's wearing a helmet, and it's hard. It's really hard. If you get hit by one of those things, you'll get knocked out. You might lose a few teeth. You might break your nose. That's why everyone has to wear a helmet. Okay? Anyone here do ride against traffic? Yes? Oh, yay, Hannah did it. You wore a helmet, right? Yeah, you wore, she wore a helmet. Uh, so when we ride a car or a taxi, we put on our seatbelts, right? When we wear a bike, when we ride a bike, we wear a helmet. Why do we do these things? Because we expect collisions to happen, right? You expect collisions to happen. This is a fact of life. Collisions happen. Bikes, trips, sports collisions happen. 
But now, we don't ever want these things to happen to us, right? But they do sometimes. And you just don't know when it'll happen, but they come at random and unexpected times. That's why we take precautionary measures by wearing safety equipment. Public service announcement, wear your seatbelts, everyone. So, you know, I'm, I'm from America, and in most states, uh, it's the law to wear your seatbelt. So it's, it's pretty much cultural now to get in the car and click your seatbelt. But outside of the U.S., some people are funny about this, right? Um, sometimes when, when you get into a driver's car and you click your seatbelt, they get super offended. Do you ever experience this? <laughs> it, it's happened to me in Europe when I was in Ukraine, and it's also happened to me here in Korea. I'll get into a taxi, and I'll click. Like, I... <laughs> you know? like, I won't get into an accident. Don't worry. I'm like, it's not personal. I don't even know you, Kisanim. Uh, I don't even know you. Nothing personal. I'm just doing my part to make sure I'm safe. Right? It's like, I've never met you. I don't know anything about you. Don't take it personally. Well, of course, no one wants to expect... Or, or, you know, no one expects it to happen. But surely, nobody who ever got into an accident was expecting to get into one that day, right? You never think it's going to happen to you, but it happens. And if it does, you better be ready. You better have your seatbelt on. Well, in our Christian walks, even as non-believers in life, we experience hardships. We face difficulties and trials. It's a normal thing. Things explode things collide, stuff hits the fan, we will fail, we will fall, we will get hurt. But the peace of Christ will guard your hearts and minds. The Greek word that Paul uses is very interesting. It's the word, okay, if I, let's see if I can pronounce this. It says, froreo. Everyone say froreo. It's almost like froreo rocher, but it's not. <laughs> froreo. Uh, and this word, when you break it down, Okay, this word guard, forel, it's a compound of pro and horao. Okay, so let me break those two words down again for you. I'm going to give you a little Greek grammar lesson, so if you want to take notes, please do. Pro, it's the same preposition that we use in English. Okay, prefix, pro. It's what we have for progress. Step forward. Promote, it means to advance forward. Produce, means to lead forward. Okay, so pro means in front of, prior, or before. Okay, that's the first part of prorero. The second part, orao, is a verb that means to see or perceive or become acquainted by experience. So prorero, okay, guard, that word that Paul uses, means to see before or to see ahead. Okay, to see before or to see ahead. So when Paul says that the peace of Christ guards you, when the peace of Christ froreo you, it means that there will be trouble. There will be trouble. Froreo doesn't mean it will take away the difficulties and collisions, but it will equip you to deal with them, to look ahead and be ready. So, when you read this verse, you can kind of read it like this. And the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, will ready your hearts and minds for the things that you will face. There's this hymn. Uh, there's an old hymn uh, by H.G. Spafford. It's a very famous hymn. Horatio G. Spafford. Do you guys know the song, It Is Well? 
Everyone knows this song, right? When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I, I messed up the tune because I started mid... <laughs> got, got cut off on the page, sorry. The chorus, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. So I don't know if you guys know the story behind this hymn, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty sad story. So H.G. Spafford, uh, he had a son who died of scarlet fever at, at the age of four. And a couple years later, he and his family decided to take a trip to England. And because of some business plans he had, he had to delay himself, but his family went ahead. So they took the ship, his wife and four children, uh, ahead of him, and then he would join them later. On November 22nd, 1873, the steamship Villa de Havre collided with another ship and sunk. So 226 people died uh, in this collision, including Spafford's four daughters. So at, at once, he lost four daughters. His wife, Anna, was the only one in his family to survive. And so she wrote to him, and then he would go and meet her. And so he sailed across the Atlantic to meet his wife in England. And as he was passing over the same route his family took, there he wrote the beloved hymn, It Is Well. Gives you a whole new meaning to this song, right? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. That line, even if you don't know the context, that line doesn't really speak. But when sorrows like sea billows, that has a new meaning for, for him. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Here's someone whose heart and mind is guarded by the peace of Christ. Whatever my lot, whether good or bad, it is well. It is well with my soul. So we know there are difficulties in life. There are a few ways we can respond. And I'm just going to give you two extremes that we shouldn't follow. One is to ignore the pain. That's not what we're called to do. God doesn't deal with things by ignoring them. Christ doesn't just gloss over our sins. He deals with them. He paid for them by dying on the cross on our behalf. Likewise, we shouldn't just ignore the negatives in our lives. We should bring them to the Lord, recognize them, see them with reality, and deal with them. Bring your requests to God. But also know that you're equipped. The other extreme is to live in anxiety. God doesn't call us to live in anxiety. Anxiety is an expression of doubt. I've mentioned this quote before, but it goes something like this. Worry is practical atheism. Worry is practical atheism. That doesn't mean we never worry ever. That doesn't mean we don't have concerns. But when you have anxiety that is not rooted in faith, that is practical atheism. Paul writes to Timothy, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. 
The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard you. It doesn't remove the pain and obstacles. It equips you to deal with them. It equips you. So how? How does this work? When you expect difficulties, you are better equipped to deal with them. You've already seen ahead, arrow. Well, how does this work? It brings me to my third point. Because of Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that's the first point. Second point, will guard your hearts and minds. Third point is, because of Christ Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, Jesus is saying, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. These are Christ's words. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. But take heart. I have overcome the world. When you've experienced something, or when you've experienced how something works, you get familiar with it. When you experience hardship, lesser hardships are easier to deal with, right? It's like, you know, if you were like weightlifting, right? Let's say you bench pressed 100 pounds yesterday. And then today, you, it wouldn't make sense for you to be like nervous about lifting 80 pounds because you know you've done something more, right? Kind of in the same way. If you've experienced something hard, super hard, then you know that like something less than that's like, oh, okay, it's not going to kill me, right? You know there's an end to it and you'll survive. So I kind of want to share another story. I've shared this before, but a couple years ago, I started a teaching job at a school. And at first, things were great. I loved it. And then things got progressively worse. Got, you know, started with a bad review from a, from a superior. I felt like they were being unfair and overly critical and nitpicky. Pretty common stuff, right? Uh, then I was put on probation because I wasn't being cooperative. And there might have been some truth to that. But later things started to surface. There were some major financial problems and teachers weren't getting paid on time. Then it started to become less pay with a lot of excuses. Oh, can you just help us out? Stay a little longer. We're getting on, you know, we're getting things figured out. We'll pay you eventually. And, you know, being a Christian school, surely we thought we could trust the management. Well, it got dragged on to three months and before we could realize, the school was going under and many of us were never paid what we were owed. So to this day, I'm owed several thousand dollars, millions of Korean won. Uh, now, certainly, during that time, the peace of Christ kept me through the trial. Um, and I didn't lash out or do anything, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in, in honesty, I felt like God was pleased with my response. But I come out now, and whatever little hardships that I face compared to that, it's like, it doesn't even phase me anymore, you know? Like, I go to work and, you know, the teacher's not there or, or like, kids are being bad. I'm just like, okay, just take it easy, you know? I'm going to get through this. Because um, I just know I'm a little stronger now, having gone through that, and I just know that worse things can happen. Worse things have happened to me. I'm just like, okay, I've dealt with it before. Let's move on, right? So in a similar way, when we have gone through a greater degree of suffering and come through... We know that lesser suffering can't get to us. Okay? Now keep that idea in mind. But 
there's a greater pain and suffering that we can experience. Let me talk about the greatest suffering and pain we can experience. It's the greatest antithesis to shalom. The greatest contrast to peace. And that is to be at war with God. To be in sin and not have your sins dealt with. To not have experienced the salvation of God. Romans 8, 7 says, The sinful mind is hostile to God. Hostile. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Romans 5, 8, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 10, For if when we were God's enemies, strong language, enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So these verses, they point to the fact that when we are without our Savior, when we are without a reconnected relationship with God, we are essentially at war with God. The greatest contrast to shalom. So fallen humanity is at war with God. Therefore, we deserved the wrath of God. But when you understand the height from which we have fallen, when you really understand that, and yet you also understand the depth of love that covers that distance, that infinite distance that we could never gap, then we are empowered. I'll say that again. When you understand the height from which we have fallen, and you understand the depth of love that covers that distance, we are empowered. See, we've already been dead, and we've already risen again in a sense. We were spiritually dead, and we've been resurrected with Christ. Romans 6, 4, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So in Luke chapter 7, uh, I've mentioned this story before. Uh, there's a story of the woman who comes and anoints Jesus with the alabaster jar of perfume. And of course, all the people there are saying, oh, what a waste. What a waste. But Jesus is like, do it. Pour it on me. She is someone who understood her debt and the greatness of this forgiveness. Jesus himself says of her, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. So how does this peace guard us or forero us? When we understand that we were once hostile to God and that we are now at peace with him through the atoning sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, then we are empowered to understand that nothing else could ever, nothing else we could ever face in this world could really harm us. So when we really understand that come what may, sickness, health, life, death, Nothing is worse than being separated from God. And having overcome that largest of 
obstacles already, we have the confidence to face any situation in this life. Romans 8. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. From this confidence, we have our peace. We have our shalom. We are secure in the completed work of Jesus Christ. We can rest assured that we are in right standing with God through the blood of Jesus. So let's keep these things in mind, especially this week, as it is Good Friday, this Friday, and Easter on this coming Sunday. We, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ. But let's keep these things in mind, that it was through Christ's payment that we are at peace, at shalom, again, by coming to God. There's this other part. We still live in this tension, right? We still feel the dissatisfactions in life. We still feel pain. We still feel annoyed by like watching the most unsatisfying video ever. But there will come a time when Christ will return, when he will make all things right. When we get the full measure of that inkling of a feeling we felt when we watched that most satisfying video. Revelations 21.4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is the shalom that we look forward to. We have it. Yet we wait for it. In faith we possess it and we have some measure of it. But there will come a time when God will restore the peace. The peace between God and man will come to fruition.